Good morning, everyone. Today, as Bill said, we begin our celebration of Advent. And the word Advent is from a Latin word meaning coming or arrival. The focus of these four weeks is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. On these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we will rejoice in the great gift that is ours in him. Each Sunday morning, we will light a candle on the Advent wreath, and then on Christmas Eve, we will light all the candles, including the center one, which is the Christ candle. As we do, we will rejoice that Christ has come to us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. On this first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of love. It reminds us that Jesus was sent to earth because of God's incredible love for us. The scripture reading for this first Sunday in Advent is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Diana and Gigi, um, you know, I... I love this time of year, you know, I love Thanksgiving, love Christmas, and just looking forward to this celebration of our Lord and Savior. You know, it is just awesome. So um, I'm just going to be doing some announcements, but before we do announcements, it is time for kids, the kids that are here, to be heading out the back. It is time for Kingdom Kids. All right, kids, if you're here, your teachers are going to open those back doors. There they go. All right. So our first announcement is from Kathy, relative to women's ministry. Hello, good morning. Um, You have to pay attention to women's ministry announcements because they kind of evolve. (laughs) So either a little bit of information is added or they might change, adapt to the situation. So it is still next Saturday. Please sign up on the cart. Uh, if the sign-up sheet is full on one side, I'm going to turn it over, or you can turn it over and sign it on the back. But we'd like to know how many people are coming, and we'd love you for all the women to come, as many who can. So it's still December 3rd. It's still at 4 p.m., but it's going to be at the well. It's going to be here uh, in the commons instead of at our house. Uh, we we're going to do it outside, but uh, instead of it being another beautiful Ojai day, it might be a little cooler and rainy, so... We've changed it to be uh, indoors here. So uh, they're going to have soup and dessert. Uh, And I wanted to tell you about uh, the sharing time that we're going to have there. Um, We're going to have three women uh, from our church, three generations. Um, We have a photo. We had a photo. Whoops. Um, And it's uh, Sue. 
Katie and Layla are all going to share on the spiritual influence each generation can have on the next. Um, Sue is also going to share about her mother and grandmother. So it's really five generations of the influence uh, that that we can have in in our family on each uh, generation. So um, it should be very interesting. It should be great to hear. So love for all the women to come. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Um, so just a few more. Um, Betty is kind of leading the charge with putting together Christmas baskets for our brothers and sisters over at Triple C. We're still collecting items for that. On the welcome cart is a list of items that you can purchase and bring. And if you do bring stuff, there's a chest over in the commons under the TV that you can put things in. So we uh, still need things and would love to have people participate in that. Um, breakfast in Bethlehem. You've been hearing about this every week, but that's coming up. There's only about 15 spots left. We have availability for about 75 people to come, and we've got about 15 spots left. So if you'd like to go to that, we'd love to have you. Um, you can register on at the cart. Kim will be out there for that. You can register online. And also, this hasn't been mentioned before, but there, this is a free event. You don't need to, you know, there's no charge in coming to it, but we are going to be taking any type of donations. Uh, you can do that now out at the cart. You can do it um, during the event itself. And all the money that's raised is going to the youth group uh, here at the church. So it's not to pay for the event itself, just to raise money in support of our youth activities. And again, if you want to do that now or at the event, um, we certainly encourage that as well. And uh, lastly, just want to invite you to join us for baptisms. We have two people getting baptized this afternoon just based on kind of their profession of faith in Jesus, it's going to be right after the service. So like, don't, you know, kind of hang around in here. There'll be plenty of time to talk and fellowship, but everybody head out onto the back patio. We're going to be doing the baptism right after uh, the service. And then all the refreshments and donuts and cheese and fellowship and everything is going to take place out there too, rather than out front uh, just today. We're going to keep uh, moving through our study in Philippians and came across a a wonderful quote by Martin Luther that, that really, I think, sets the stage for, for what we're going to be talking about today. Martin Luther says this, You cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> right? I love that. You cannot keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. I was thinking about that, then this morning as I was sitting here, I thought of, uh, as a kid in San Diego, we went to SeaWorld quite a bit, and sometimes when you're out there at the Shamu Stadium or the Dolphin Show, those seagulls, you can't keep those seagulls from flying over your head, and sometimes those seagulls let you know that they were flying over your head, all right? And, and, and really what, what this is talking about in relation to today is, is thoughts, thoughts, our thought life, and we're going to be focusing on today, and, and, and what do we do with these thoughts? You know, we can't always control what thoughts come into our head, but we can control what to do with them, whether we're going to dwell on them, act on them. So, so I think today is one of those uh, wonderful sermons that you're going to be like, wow, that was so real, that was so practical. You know, all of Scripture is practical, but sometimes you're like, wow, okay, I get that. Because uh, how many of you here? at one time or another in your life, have struggled with thoughts. Recurring thoughts. Thoughts from when you were 10. Right? 
these, these thoughts. And, and I was doing some research today on the internet, I mean, this week on the internet, and you always got to be careful, so I try to get a variety of sources and some that are credible. And, and just some things that I, I discovered about thoughts and our thought life, just as humans and, and what's out there. Uh, they say, statistically, that uh, we have about fifty to 70,000 thoughts a day. Fifty to 70,000 thoughts a day, okay? So that means, but before I'm done, some of you will, right? Your minds are, you're, you're going to, I don't know how many you're going to have before we even get to the patio afterwards, right? Fifty to thousand, fifty to 70,000. And then statistically, I came across this in several different sources, about 80% of that. So let's just go with 50,000. So 50,000 thoughts a day, each of us, about 80% of those they found are negative, And then 90, about 90% of those are repetitive. Okay, so just think about the impact on your view of the world, uh, your relationships, motivation, enthusiasm, joy. Think about what it does to your mental, spiritual, physical health. If you have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, 80% of those are negative and 90% of those are repetitive. What's that going to do? What's that going to do? Right? And sometimes you wonder, man, why am I just so, ugh? Right? And, and we're going to talk about that today. And, and, and actually, it relates very well to what we talked about last Sunday, which was being anxious for nothing. And we're going to put it in context. So we're going to read uh, Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 9. But first, we'll start with Philippians 4, 4 through 7 to kind of give us context. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Was anyone here who was here last last Sunday, or maybe you're at home, how many of you this week made a conscious effort to, to not give in to anxious and worry, right? You caught yourself. You caught yourself and you went to what? Prayer? You came into the presence of God, you brought your request known, and you thanked Him. See, if you did that, that's transformation. That means you're developing a biblical worldview, and now that biblical worldview isn't just heady stuff, you're doing it. How many of you were blessed by doing that? Like, it just was like, wow, right? Right? Well, what we talk about today is related. Uh, as well to anxiety, worries, and, and other areas of our life. Um, because again, last week when he, said, when he said, do not be anxious about anything, the focus was on, wasn't on not being anxious, it was on proactively doing something, right? Prayer, supplication, it was doing something. Well, in the same way today, these thoughts, the focus is not on don't have bad thoughts. Bad Ernie. You know, some of us, we, we think that Christianity, we reduce it to a bunch of do's and don'ts, and we get caught up with these external behaviors, and so, you know, whenever we have a, a bad thought, oh, that's bad, that's bad, don't have bad thoughts. Really, today, we're going to focus on what you should do. Proactively, take your focus on not having bad thoughts, but actually where your thoughts should go. And that's why I think today can be a day of victory for you, a day of freedom and you don't have to be sort of have this victim mentality that, oh, my mind is just always flooded with these negative thoughts. And No, in Christ, 
You have everything you need to be victorious in your thought life. Amen? You can. You can. So I'm hoping that today you'll, you'll embrace that. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. We're going to focus on verse 8, and I'll read it again in the ESV. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In the New Living, it says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Okay, so quick survey. Great list, amen? How many of us tend to have another list that we fix our minds on? Things that are stressful, things that aren't going right, people that are bothering me. Right? So it's amazing. We have this incredible list, and it's like, amen to that list. But if we're honest, the reality of what we fix our mind is far from that. Right? And that's the first step, is honesty. Honest assessment of where you tend with your tens of thousands of thoughts per day. What primarily, what, what area, positive or negative, are they landing on? If you're honest, right? I love the amplified version, right? Since Bill brought that up. I, this is almost here every Sunday now. Philippians 4.8 in the amplified. Finally, believers, what is tr- whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect... Whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Amen? Now, if you read that and you ponder that, you're going to have to turn off your TV and your computer and your social media. See, a lot of us, uh, how many of you are, are, are of the uh, generation, you heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out? Well, right, look at that list. It's beautiful, like, man, I would love that. And then you turn on to your favorite news channel. And by the time you're done, you're like, oh, my gosh, can you believe that? What were they thinking, right? And suddenly all these thoughts spun you down the rabbit hole simply because of what you're allowing to come in including certain people that aren't necessarily helpful in your life in terms of your thought life, in terms of keeping you focused on Philippians 4, 8 types of things, right? So in these other versions, it's dwell on these things, fix your thoughts on them, right? That, that word think on these things, it's not just, oh yeah, let me think about it. What it means is to compute, to calculate, deliberate, careful study, to think about something in a logical and detailed manner, contemplation, mulling things over. How many of you have ever had this thing in your life and you just, you just mull it over? You're just mulling it. You're contemplating it. You can't stop thinking about it. This angle, that angle, this angle, right? What about this? What about this, right? That's what it is. It's not like just some quick thought, passing thought. It's like, you know what? I need to choose to contemplate certain things. 
and he gives us the list. So again, ask yourself, in all honesty, what do you tend to contemplate? Positives? Trials? Circumstances? Feelings? The news? What have you been, what did this, this past week, just, just take a moment, this last seven days, what dominated your contemplation? Your finances? Your job? Relationships? The condition of the country? The war? 2023? What, what has got you to be mulling, contemplating? Because that's, that's what we're talking about. That degree of engagement is what he's talking about there. And he gave us that list of all these wonderful, incredible things that we are actually being directing our energies towards. Okay? And so we even see this in Colossians 3. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, okay, on things that are above not on things that on, are on the earth. Now, that set your minds means your general bent, your inclination, kind of who you are as a whole in your life. So again, think about it this past week. Was your general bent, was your inclination on the things of the Lord or just making it through the day? The things above and all the God's truth and promises or all your trials and circumstances and things that aren't going right? Where have you been setting your mind? Right? Again, the first step to victory, first step to freedom is to just have an honest, be honest. Where does your mind tend to land as a whole? 50 to 70,000 thoughts. What percentage of those are landing on constructive and which ones are not helpful at all? Okay? A.T. Robinson says this It does matter what we think, and we are responsible for our thoughts. Paul does not mean that we should never think the things upon the earth, but that these should not be our aim, our goal, our master. The Christian has to keep his feet upon the earth, but his head in the heavens. He must be heavenly-minded here on earth and so help to make earth like heaven. You see, here's the thing. There's a powerful element of testimony. If we set our minds on all the things that he talks about in Philippians 4.8, if we're setting our minds on things above, that's going to impact our joy. Amen? It's going to impact our peace. And you know what's going to happen? Your friends and family and coworkers, they're going to notice. They're like, hey, how come, how come you don't seem so stressed out about, you know, supply chain? And hey, how come you don't seem so, you know, and you just kind of have this peace all the time. When great opportunity to share. Well, this is what I set my mind on, bro. This is what I choose to do and what I choose not to do. Okay? How many of you have ever had or chosen to do a social media fast? Anyone? You're like, that's possible? I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, I've, I've got five kids and coming through every once in a while, they would say, hey, Dad, I'm, uh, I'm doing a fast off uh, Instagram. I'm doing a Facebook fast, right? How many of you have reaped the benefits of a social media fast? Right? Why? Because it clears your mind. What it does is it really does clear your mind, and as your minds get cleared, suddenly your emotions, and you, you got more clarity, and you got kind of all this stuff that was weighing you down you didn't even know because we just get caught up into it. So maybe for some, to help bring application to Philippians 4.8, maybe starting today to next Sunday, you have a social media fast. 
Ooh, I heard a ooh. Okay, let's just all get that out. Everyone go, ooh. <laughs> Some of you will right now are like, that's going to take a miracle. Because <laughs> you, you can't wait for service to get over. Because you got to check your Instagram before you go see the baptism. I'm, some of you, some of you right now, you are just waiting for this to be over because you got to check something. You're right. Maybe, I'm just saying, I'm just casting an application out there. Fast off social media for a week. Right, shy fasting is wonderful. Yes, she's done it several times. One of my daughters, she's told me, Dad, I'm fasting. It clears your mind. It really does, right? You're not setting your minds on a like or a dislike, a thumbs up, a thumbs down, an opinion that someone, right, that sends you off, right? Okay? Maybe I'm just, I'm just tossing that out there. Because if, it's not, if our minds aren't set on the things above, it affects our reactions, it affects our words, it affects our relationships. I love this story in Mark 8, right? Jesus is telling his boys what's about to happen. And then Peter reacts. Peter has a reaction, right? So in Mark 8, Jesus, he says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, okay, this is Jesus talking, that he must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now imagine, Peter is hearing this, he doesn't like what he's hearing, and he pulls Jesus, Jesus, aside and begins to get in his face. Rebuke him means like, what, what are you thinking, dude? Like, rebuke Jesus, right? Pulls him aside in front of everyone, says, what are you thinking? No, no, right? And look what Jesus says. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. So here's the thing. Jesus is simply telling his boys what's about to happen, what the plan of action is. And don't miss that Jesus tells them, and after three days rise again. There was a miracle that Jesus was saying was about to happen, right? Woo-hoo, resurrection, right? But Peter, because his mind wasn't right and was set on the things of man, Peter has a reaction. What are you thinking? Not you. And here's the point. If our minds are set on the things of this planet more so than the things of God, we might miss God's plan. We might miss it. Peter missed it. Now, I'll give Peter great sincerity and compassion for Jesus. He didn't want to hear Jesus was going to suffer and be killed. But because Peter was so fixated on what he didn't like, he missed three days later, I'm rising again. He missed the victory. And sometimes in our life, sometimes in my life, I get so focused on circumstance that I turn into, why God? Why aren't you? Where are you? What happened? You're not answering my prayer. And I get fixated, and then it affects my view of God. And now it affects my view at home and my relationship with my wife and my kids. And, then, and all because my mind wasn't set on things above. It had to do with my mindset. Right? Look at James. Here's an example. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various kinds of trial, trials of various kinds. How many have had trials of various kinds? How many of you counted it joy at that? Thank you for your honesty, right? Because again, 
in our human mindset, we tend to view trials as not something to be joyful about. But let's keep reading. Look at this. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So here's the thing. If my mind is set on the things of God, when trials come, I interpret it through his lens, which is for my good. That I may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How many want to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? Careful, because it tells you how you're going to get there. Because according to this verse, if you want to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, the journey goes through trials. Okay, but if my mind is set on the things of God and his will and his plan, I'll embrace it. If it's set on fighting trials and trying to eliminate trials and having this personal peace and affluence, when they come in my life, because my mind is set on the things of man, I miss God's plan. I become angry, I become bitter, I quit coming to church, I quit reading the Bible, I start blaming God, and all along it was God's plan to grow you up. But because my mind wasn't set right, I missed it. And I reacted in the flesh, and I went down the rabbit hole, and I just made it worse. I just made it worse, right? So how do we, how do we begin to appropriate victory in our thought life? I'm just giving you some practical, practical helps here. First thing is, again, you've heard me say it a few times this morning. You just got to be honest. Just be honest. God knows your thoughts. He knows where, you know, what percentage of those 50 to 70,000 tend to be in whatever category. He already knows them. Just be honest. If, you, if you've allowed this area of your life, your thought life, to kind of run rampant for whatever reason, maybe you didn't know in Christ you could control this. Just confess that. Say, Lord, you know, I let these birds nest in my hair. 50,000 of them. My hair. You know, isn't it nice to know you can shoo them away? Right? So you got you to you just kind of be honest. Nancy Missler says this. The reason there was never any consistent life change in me is because my thinking process was never touched or renewed. My Christian walk was erratic because my responses were continually dependent upon how I felt. What I thought, how people responded to me, and what my circumstances were. Any amens to that? Okay, okay. So one day I would be up and full of God because I felt great and Chuck, that was her husband, and Chuck and I were getting along. But the next I would be down and full of self because I felt lousy. Chuck had said something horrible to me and things around me were out of control. I call this the Christian yo-yo syndrome. Any yo-yos? <laughs> right? Why? A lot of it has to do with our thoughts. It goes right back to our thoughts. If you want stability, if you want consistency in your Christian walk, in your relationships, in your relationship with the Lord, it's your thoughts. Begin with your thoughts. Okay? So again, just do a survey. Just do a survey. Maybe literally do a survey. Okay, what am I thinking about? What you might want to do, you know, is, is we all have, you know, before we used to have those uh, watches with the little chimes before all the iPhones, if you're in that generation. Maybe you set a, a, a timer, and you set it for whatever, noon. 
noon and 6 p.m., whatever you want to do. And then when it goes off at noon, you pause and you say, okay, where have my thoughts been the last six hours? When it comes around to 6 p.m., okay, where have my thoughts been landing since noon? It's just developing an awareness and developing a habit of being conscious that you can choose where you're going to fixate on. Where you're going to dwell on, what you're going to contemplate, okay? And understand again, there's a direct correlation to your physical, mental, spiritual health, what you're allowing in here, okay? So be honest, survey, do some little helps, maybe like that, okay? Number two, way that you can develop, you know, more disciplined thought life is understand the priority that our, our mind has in our spiritual transformation. We tend to fixate on things that we consider important, right? If you consider money important, what's mostly going to consume your thoughts? Money. If you relationship is important to you and a relationship's out of whack, what consumes your thoughts? Relationships. Health, right? So those things that concern us, those things that we give a lot of weight to, tend to what? Dominate our thoughts. Completely understandable. Well, spiritually, here's the thing. A lot of us don't understand. Here's Romans 12. I'll just read it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You've heard me say this before. That word transformation is metamorphosis. Okay, It's this supernatural, like crazy supernatural work. You were into it by the Holy Spirit from the inside out, you manifest more and more like Jesus. Amen? According to Romans 12 too, if you want transformation, how many of you here want transformation? Would say, I want transformation. I want to be like Jesus. Being like Jesus, I want that to be priority number one in my life. I, anyone? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, according to Romans 12 too, you are transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So, I, as a believer, want to be like Jesus. That means I have to make transformation priority, number one. If it's a priority, then renewing my mind becomes a priority. Right? I mean, it's kind of... The question is, is transformation, is being more and more like Jesus, really a priority? That's where the things of the world come in. Do not love the things of the world. You can't serve two masters. All the things that Jesus talks about. A lot of times, our thought life isn't a priority because transformation, quite honestly, isn't a priority. So we kind of have to sit back and go, wait, if I really, really, really want to be transformed, it's clear. It's not, even, it's not even hard to understand. We are transformed by the renewal of our mind. So the renewing of my mind's got to be the, the priority. Because if it is, transformation follows, Amen. See, what we tend to do, again, is Christianity becomes rules, do's and don'ts, external, externals. So we try to get more and more like Jesus by focusing on the externals. And we feel like if we, if we did more do's than don'ts, then God is happy and we're more like Jesus. No, that, if you're doing that, you're going to, A, burn yourself out, you're going to lose your joy, and you become self-righteous and kind of legalistic. Because it's all about externals. True transformation is this radical supernatural work of God in you 
as your mind is renewed. So that's why we around here often will encourage you, when you get up, you probably should be in the Word. And when you get up, you should probably be spending time with the Lord and maybe even turn on some worship music first before your favorite news channel. What's the first thing that feels... Okay, let's just, you know, we'll just be honest. You don't have to answer this. Think about your normal routine. What is the first thing you allow into your mind, into your thoughts every day? Do you control your first moments of the morning in terms of thought? Because you can. You can. Right? You can, your alarm can go off and you can go to the Bible app and boom, verse of the day. Right? Or, and I've shared this with you before, you can do what I did for a long time. Alarm goes off, turn, flip on the news. What happened while I was asleep? So even before I get out of bed, my thoughts are filled with stuff of the life and my emotions, and I'm a wreck, and I haven't even got out of bed yet. Because of what I chose to allow into my thoughts right when I get up. Again, so another, another application, practical. What can you do? What practical change can you make so that the first time thing you get up, something of the, of the Lord fills your mind? So you're setting your mind on things above from the get-go. Because how many of you have set a quiet time and then things just happened and you never got around to the quiet time? I'm going to read my Bible. Oh, I got a call. Oh, I got to, let me just answer this text. Oh, I got to do this email. Any? My hand's up, right? First thing, though, get up, you know? You know, I, I, I kind of change my phone. I use my phone as my alarm. I do that. Now when my alarm goes off, I flip up to my Bible app and I read. That's the first thing. Before it used to be Fox News. Now it's the Bible. That's just a choice I made. So that the very first thing that fills my mind, I want to be the things of God. Okay? So, we make it a priority. So you got to be honest. Got to be honest. We're 50 to 70,000. What have I been doing with those? 50 to 70,000 a day. What kind of priority is transformation? Do I really want to be like Jesus? Because if I really want to be like Jesus, it begins with my mind. I'm renewed. I'm a transformation by the renewing of my mind. Okay? Right? And here's the thing. If you're a believer, there's a radical supernatural miracle that's happened in you. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says that you have the mind of Christ. Let me read this. Right? I love this. People who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So here's the thing. Okay, just in a nutshell, what's that saying is, when you come to Christ and you are born again, regenerated, and the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, it's all supernatural, you now understand the spiritual world and spiritual truths. Amen? Don't take that for granted. Because I remember a time in my life where this, I was the first part of this, this whole thing is foolish. I remember a time in my life, I grew up going to church, and yet it was foolishness to me. Ah, that Bible. You believe in the Bible? Come on, man. It was foolishness to me. Why? Because I was spiritually dead. I come to Christ. I don't understand how it fully works. He does something supernaturally, and I get it. 
How many of you understand spirit? How many get it? That's supernatural. Don't, I don't know. Sometimes we just breeze past that kind of stuff. I don't know. Right? You remember, Bill, when you were doing your thing. Right? The last thing you would be was up here saying, I know there's nowhere I'd rather be on a Sunday morning than right here. My favorite day of the week. Right? How many of you love Bill's enthusiasm? Right? I love that because I know his story. That is a, when he does that, I get so blessed inside because that is a miracle. And that's no, he will, that is a miracle for where he came from in his life to stand up here and say that church is a favorite part of his his week and there's nowhere else he'd rather be. It is a miracle of God. And so I celebrate that, right? But I celebrate you. If you have the mind of Christ, you get it. When I see men out there on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., wanting the things of God, I'm like, wow. That's a miracle. Men that would get up, make the commitment to be here and be in fellowship and the word and prayer. How can you not celebrate that as a miracle of God? The fact that you you even want to be here. I never take that for granted. And you at home, I never take it for granted. The fact, I tell the people around here, and I don't mean it, you know, kind of cliche the fact that one person voluntarily gets in their car okay gets dressed gets in their car comes to church voluntarily is a miracle to me it's unexplainable like we don't pay you to come right maybe you come from the donuts and cheese i don't know that's the motive but you know quite honestly we preach the word here unapologetically, unashamedly, we will stick to the truth. Whoever's behind the pulpit, we preach the word of God. I know in this culture that could be risky because it's not always a feel-good message, right? But we're called to preach the word, right? We are the pillar and foundation of truth. So the fact that we do that every week in the power of the Holy Spirit, the fact that you all keep coming is a miracle. I, 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 it is, right? So... We have the mind of Christ. Take advantage of it. Wake up. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You can understand scriptures. Get into them. It's a miracle. It's a supernatural miracle, right? And so Philippians 4.8 had that wonderful list. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Look at what Psalm... I'm going to read Psalm 19. Compare what you heard in Philippians 4.8 to how he describes the word of God in Psalm 19. Here it says... The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statute of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Amen? You put that right next to Philippians 4, right? And basically the message is, get into the word of God. Fill your minds with the word of God. What, think on these things. Those, those lists just match up so perfectly, and it really comes back to the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. Warren Wiersbe says this, The Christian who fills his heart and mind with God's word will have a built-in radar for detecting wrong thoughts. 
right? Discernment. It's called discernment. You're able to discern what is the will. How many of you ever been in a conversation, saw something on TV, heard something, and you're like, eh, I don't know about that. Anyone have that? Eh, I don't know. Because it's not lining up with Scripture? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the radar of the Holy Spirit going, oh, no, you better check that. Careful on that. That's why you got to fill your mind with this, okay? Look at Psalm 119. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I love that. Now, I've shared this with you before. Meditation is in the Bible. Eastern meditation, you know, has to do with emptying yourself. Biblical meditation is filling yourself with the word of God. So you don't be afraid of the word, okay? Eastern religion, Eastern meditation, again, emptying yourself, emptying yourself, emptying yourself, right? Biblical meditation, filling yourself, filling yourself, filling yourself with the word of God. Okay? It's right there. J.I. Packer says this, meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of a communion with God. Amen? So this is what we're saying. You can take one verse and meditate on it for almost a year if you wanted to. What does that mean, Lord? I'm going to contemplate that. I'm going to... Mm. Let me, let me chew on that, right? Or sometimes we're in, in this hurry as, as believers. We've got to read more. We've got to read more. We gotta do. Sometimes you just need to slow down and contemplate more and meditate more and ponder more, right? So we do that, get into the Word. Fourth uh, help for some, focus on the prompts versus the problem. A lot of times things happen in our life and we tend to fixate on the problem rather than the promises of God. Right? I was reminded of our, of our friend, the four-eyed fish. He's appeared a few times, right? Four-eyed fish. I love this fish. He doesn't really have four eyes. What he has is actually two pupils in each eye that allow him. He tends to hang out at the surface. Simultaneously, he can look up and he can look down. For prey and for predators. It's kind of like us as citizens of heaven on this planet. We got spiritual eyes. We can see up and we can see down. The question is, what are you going to focus on? Which one are you going to focus on? We can see them both. We live on this planet, right? We don't bury our heads in the sand. We got to pay bills. We got to deal with people and all that stuff. We see both. The question is, what do you tend to focus on? What are you going to fixate on? Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above. Okay? Again, be honest. What are you even focusing on? The problem or the promise? And what's really important about this, give you some practical helps about the promise, it might be that you need to reassess who you're hanging out with. Because some of us hang out with negative Nellies. You know? Right? Debbie Downers or whatever they call them, right? And you're like, dude, I leave there drained, right? The cloud, right? Anyone got friends or someone who like, the gray cloud comes around? You're like, oh, here comes the cloud, right? 
And it's not affirming, it's not encouraging, it's not helpful, right? And honestly, sometimes you have to be lovingly careful about who you're surrounding yourself with because they're affecting your thoughts. They can affect your thoughts. And now this morning, you see how important your thoughts are, right? Again, what are you allowing on the, on the TV, on your radio, on your podcasts, on your social media? Again, what are you allowing in? You have to be very discerning, very careful about what you're allowing yourself to be exposed to, which is affecting your thoughts, which ultimately affects your transformation. We've seen that, right? Romans 12. So be very careful about that. Isaiah 26 says this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Right? Isaiah 26.3 in the Amplified says this. You will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast. That is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character. Because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. Right? How many of you would love constant and perfect peace? Well, according to Isaiah 26.3, it's dependent on what? Your mind being stayed on the Lord. That takes discipline. And, you know, this is part of that honest assessment. Some of us have, are undisciplined in our thoughts. And it's going to take some effort and some time to get your thought life disciplined. There were times as a new believer where I was working through things, and literally these thoughts would come cascading into my head and flooding my head and affecting emotions. You know, I'd literally say sometimes, stop. Like, I would literally have to say, Stop. Because I would catch myself going down the rabbit hole of negativity and pessimism and anger and bitterness and all these thoughts are flying me. And literally, as a believer, I had to say, stop. What do you, stop. And so some here, you might be going down a rabbit hole this week and literally you'll go, stop. And you'll be like, stop what, honey? (laughs) I'm just talking to myself, right? You might have to literally do something to intervene in your old thought patterns. Catch yourself. Confess it. Right? Say, no, stop, stop, stop. That's not me. That's not me. That's old me. Stop. Right? Go back to the word. No, no, wait, wait, wait. God says count it all joy. Wait, no. God says he works all things for the good. Wait, wait. God is a a refuge, a very present help in trouble. You got to go to the word. Right? If you're going down the rabbit hole of negative thoughts and it's affecting you, you know what the greatest stop is? The word of God. You answer it with scripture. That's why you got to be in it. The other thing too, honestly, not, not necessarily just putting negative people out of your life. You got to surround yourself with the right people too. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Who when you kind of drift this way, they will lovingly speak the truth to you and say, hey, bro. Mm-mm. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's not what the word says. You're drifting We need people around us. We all have blind sides. We all have blind sides. We need people around us who we who know we believe love us, care for us enough to put their arm around us and say, "Bro, you're drifting, man." No. Amen. You need. I need people in our life. That's why I love the elders around here. 
It's not a good old boys club. They tell me when I'm off. Because I need it. I need it. I get these harebrained ideas about, oh, we should do this for the well. And they're like, why? Is that just you? You just need more stuff to do? I mean, they question me. They check my motive. They check my heart, right? I need them as much as they need me, as much as we need each other to help us just follow Jesus one day at a time. Amen? That's what the church is about. That's why it says, do not forsake the gathering. But you got to gather, why? To love and encourage one another. And sometimes that means, say, hey, bro, come here. <laughs> Give them the old noogie, right, for that generation. The spiritual noogie. Say, what are you thinking, right? With all the love in my heart, bro. What are you thinking, right? And it's funny because uh, uh, back in San Diego when I was uh, just starting in ministry, I worked with... Um, pastor there who was a former NFL player. And those guys, when they get saved, you know, they take that professional, in-your-face, professional football athlete mentality into their faith. So as, as much as those guys are like this, as in football and in their life, they bring that in there and they'll call you out. They'll be direct out of love and compassion. They'll just, they'll just call you out. No. And I love that. And we need that. Right? There's, it doesn't mean that you're not extending grace. It doesn't mean that you don't love. It doesn't mean that you're not compassion. In fact, sometimes if you don't say something, that's not grace. And that's not even loving. you got to speak. Because we all, can get, we all can get blindsided. We all can get caught up in our own thoughts. Remember, there's a devil. There's a deceiver. Right? And sometimes I can get in my own head and my own, thought, my own thought patterns and I need someone to say, did you think about it this way? Or what about this? Or, you know, the Bible says, because sometimes we need to be lovingly, we just do. We just do. That's just truth, okay? So putting off maybe negative influence and then bringing in positives. Positives that and giving them permission. I have a, I have a phrase with with the people around me. I said permission to speak freely. So if I'm going through something, and I really want their opinion, and I really want them not to hold back, I will tell them, "I'm hey bro, permission to speak freely." Yeah, but be careful when you do that, because then you're gonna have to take a few deep breaths as they take advantage of speaking freely because you gave them permission, but it's healthy. Not that, not that everything they say is 100% right, but it's healthy. Then we can dialogue. Then I can, I can be open and humbled that I don't have it all figured out and that you know, I can come off my high lofty place. So sometimes somebody here, maybe that's an application. Find one or more people and give them permission to speak freely in love. Okay? And finally, Romans 8, 6 says this. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. In this passage, he's really speaking about two people, unbelievers and believers. And he says, you know what? If, if you don't know the Lord, this verse is saying you're kind of spiritually dead. 
and you live for the flesh. You think you're alive, but you're really not. He says, but to set the mind on the Spirit, as a believer, being born again, having the indwelling Holy Spirit, you enjoy true life and true peace. Right? And so the question is, where are you in which camp? Do you have the mind of Christ? Have you been born again, indwelt by the Holy Spirit so you can enjoy life and peace? Or are you still separated from God? Because death in the Bible just defined as separation. Are you still separated from the Lord, living for the flesh, consumed with the flesh, thinking you're alive, but really being spiritually dead? Right? That's what Romans 8, 6 is saying. Wayne Barber says it really well. He says this. So Paul is painting a stark contrast of two mindsets. On one hand, we formerly were controlled by sin and flesh because our minds were set on the things of the flesh. That's all we knew. We were like a plane flying on autopilot. And as such, it is a mind that is death and will end in death. Thank God that when we came to Christ, our minds were made new and became focused on him. And if we keep it that way, we will walk in that victory that he gave to us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. In Philippians 4.8, you give us an incredible list of things that we are to think about, dwell upon, contemplate, ponder, mull over. And so, Father, I prayed, and I am praying right now that you will speak to us individually as your children about the importance of the renewing of our minds, the importance of what we think about, the importance of what we allow in to our minds. Those statistics say we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Lord, I'm praying that 80% of them would be about you. That would be glorious if somehow we could flip that percentage from 80% negative to 80% God and the things of God. What an incredible transformation would happen in our life, in our relationships, in our joy. And we have that power through the indwelling Holy Spirit. We can choose what to fix our minds on, what to set our minds on. So, Father, for just a moment, I want to pause and come before you in prayer, into your presence. Maybe it's a time of confession. Maybe it's a time of assessment. Whatever it is, Father, we just want to come before you specifically regarding the things that we think about, the things that we fixate on, and allow you to speak truth to us. So we just do that now, Father. And then, Father, for those who maybe don't have the mind of Christ today, those who have not put their faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, I pray for for you that this morning you would trust Jesus as Savior and Lord 
And in so doing, you would be born again into the family of God. You would have the mind of Christ, be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, able to understand spiritual things. And if that's you, you can pray, dear God, in the best way I know how this morning, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior, my Lord. I understand now I've been living in the flesh, separated from you, with my mind set on things of the world. And and Father, I don't want that anymore. I believe that Jesus died for me, rose from the dead. And again, Father, in the best way I know how I'm trusting Jesus alone for salvation today. Thank you, Father, that I am saved by grace through faith. And as we prepare for communion, Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So this morning in communion, I encourage you, fix your mind on Jesus and his incredible love for you and what communion represents. And then embrace who you are in Christ in the newness of your mind. And maybe in this time of communion, make some decisions about what you're going to do practically when you leave here that will help you Keep your mind stayed on the Lord. That will help you renew your mind. That will help you think on the things that God calls us to think. Good morning, everyone. Today, as Bill said, we begin our celebration of Advent. And the word Advent is from a Latin word meaning coming or arrival. The focus of these four weeks is a celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. On these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we will rejoice in the great gift that is ours in him. Each Sunday morning, we will light a candle on the Advent wreath, and then on Christmas Eve, we will light all the candles, including the center one, which is the Christ candle. As we do, we will rejoice that Christ has come to us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. On this first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of love, It reminds us that Jesus was sent to earth because of God's incredible love for us. The scripture reading for this first Sunday in Advent is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Diana and Gigi, um, you know, I I love this time of year, you know, I love Thanksgiving, love Christmas, and just looking forward to this celebration of our Lord and Savior. You know, it is just awesome. So um, I'm just going to be doing some announcements, but before we do announcements, it is time for kids, the kids that are here, to be heading out the back. It is time for Kingdom Kids. All right, kids, if you're here, your teachers are going to open those back doors. There they go. All right. So our first announcement is from Kathy, relative to women's ministry. Hello, good morning. Um, 
you have to pay attention to women's ministry announcements because they kind of evolve. <laughs> so either a little bit of information is added or they might change, adapt to the situation. So it is still next Saturday. Please sign up on the cart. Uh, if the sign-up sheet is full on one side, I'm going to turn it over, or you can turn it over and sign it on the back. But we'd like to know how many people are coming, and we'd love you for all the women to come, as many who can. So it's still December 3rd. It's still at 4 p.m., but it's going to be at the well. It's going to be here uh, in the commons instead of at our house. Uh, we we're going to do it outside, but uh, instead of it being another beautiful Ojai day, it might be a little cooler and rainy, so... We've changed it to be uh, indoors here. So uh, they're going to have soup and dessert. Uh, and I wanted to tell you about uh, the sharing time that we're going to have there. Um, we're going to have three women uh, from our church, three generations. Um, do we have a photo? We had a photo. Whoops. Um, and it's uh, Sue. Katie and Layla are all going to share on the spiritual influence each generation can have on the next. Um, Sue is also going to share about her mother and grandmother. So it's really five generations of the influence uh, that that we can have in, in our family on each uh, generation. So um, it should be very interesting. It should be great to hear. So love for all the women to come. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Um, so just a few more. Um, Betty is kind of leading the charge with putting together Christmas baskets for our brothers and sisters over at Triple C. We're still collecting items for that. On the welcome cart is a list of items that you can purchase and bring. And if you do bring stuff, there's a chest over in the commons under the TV that you can put things in. So we uh, still need things and would love to have people participate in that. Um, breakfast in Bethlehem. You've been hearing about this every week, but that's coming up. There's only about 15 spots left. We have availability for about 75 people to come, and we've got about 15 spots left. So if you'd like to go to that, we'd love to have you. Um, you can register on at the cart. Kim will be out there for that. You can register online. And also, this hasn't been mentioned before, but there, this is a free event. You don't need to, you know, there's no charge in coming to it, but we are going to be taking any type of donations. Uh, you can do that now out at the cart. You can do it um, during the event itself. And all the money that's raised is going to the youth group uh, here at the church. So it's not to pay for the event itself, just to raise money in support of our youth activities. And again, if you want to do that now or at the event, um, we certainly encourage that as well. And uh, lastly, just want to invite you to join us for baptisms. We have two people getting baptized this afternoon just based on kind of their profession of faith in Jesus, it's going to be right after the service. So like, don't, you know, kind of hang around in here. There'll be plenty of time to talk and fellowship, but everybody head out onto the back patio. We're going to be doing the baptism right after uh, the service. And then all the refreshments and donuts and cheese and fellowship and everything is going to take place out there too, rather than out front uh, just today.